Are you ready for excitement? Adventure? Well, I hope you're also ready for another 99th episode. They're, they're awesome, like, if you could just throw them out on the table and record everyone. Okay, yeah, no problem. I'll be there soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what's been up? You been doing anything fun? Uh Oh, gosh. I got to think back now. I, I've been sick for a couple of days and uh, kind of wiped everything out. <laughs> That's not fun. That's the opposite of fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one, one uh, exciting thing I did, I kind of mentioned this to you last night. Um, I didn't mention the specific game, but so I don't often pre-order games. I haven't done that in a long time because usually even if there's a game I really want, I have other stuff that I'm playing, and I can wait until it at least goes on sale for, you know, it's like, game starts out at, what, like, 60 bucks? So, it'll go on sale for 30 or 40 bucks at some point within a year. So, even if I really want it, I'll usually just wait for that, right? This sounds like the beginning of a beer commercial. I don't often (laughs) pre-order games, but the one I do... When I do, it's one that's released every year. Um, It is. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, for most games, it doesn't make a difference, but... I was I've really been jonesing to play some new Madden. Uh, I love Madden. Madden's like the one game I've been playing since the first one came out. I haven't played every single year. Like I'm not one of those people that buys every year until now. But the thing that changes changed that is Madden Ultimate Team, which it's I've probably talked about it at least a little bit before. But what I love about Madden Ultimate Team is you're you're creating a team. You play challenges and games to earn more cards to improve your team. So it like it combines like the feelings of playing you know like a, a card game like uh, like Magic where it's like you need new cards to make your team stronger. There's ways to improve your cards, kind of like a you know like in Magic. There's there's you know you get cards in your deck that would then give more power to one of your cards. Yeah, kind of like sure. that sort of. It's a little bit different, but um, it kind of combines the collecting aspect, which, you know, we both like to collect stuff. So it's like it's cool to get a card of a player that I like. Then it, it kind of has a little bit of, like the feelings of fantasy football that I like because you're putting together like a, a fake team of players that you want to be together. And you're trying to get the best players and they're good at different things, you know. But so I the last time I actually got Madden when it came out was years ago. And I basically earned rewards through one of those funky apps where you, like, take pictures of your receipts or, like, scan products in a store or whatever. And you get points and you redeem rewards. So, like, I built up enough to actually get it for free. But I didn't play Madden Ultimate Team then. So I got it and I just played the game. And then, like, halfway through the season, I started playing Madden Ultimate Team. Because I was like, oh, let's check this out. Because I think I tried it once before and didn't like it. Because I didn't understand it. But I, I got hooked on Madden Ultimate Team then. But every year I'm like, ah, no, I don't need that. This sounds really complicated. Yeah, it's not as complicated as it sounds. <laughs> well, that's that's like saying, oh, Magic the Gathering is not as complicated as it sounds. It's like the most absurdly complicated game <laughs> that, that exists. <laughs> like, I, it is ridiculously absurd how complicated that game is. Yeah, I'll never know because I don't have anybody to play with. But uh, uh, well, hey, you can play online. Yeah, yeah. I don't like people I have, online. A friend of mine 
I used to play Magic the Gathering way back in the day. Well, actually, n- numerous times throughout my life, I've played it on and off. But I first started playing it in high school. I had a couple friends that were really into Magic the Gathering. And I got into Magic the Gathering with them. And we were those really, really cool kids <laughs> that play Magic the Gathering <laughs> on the <laughs> their lunch break at school. Like the, the cream of the crop of awesomeness. And that was pretty cool. It was, you know, all the girls flocking around to see who had the most powerful deck in this uh, lunch period. It was really, really something else. But <laughs> I've, I've played on and off over the years, and they recently launched an online version of the game. And I was talking to uh, one of my old friends from high school. Him and I are still really good friends. And he was telling me, Hey, I just downloaded the Magic the Gathering app. You should download it too. <laughs> and so they're trying to suck me back in. <laughs> so you get with Magic though that like you have your deck, but then you buy new packs of cards to try to improve your deck, right? Yeah, it's it's essentially they're collectibles, but the collectibles are functional and they are varying degrees of powerful. Exactly. Some are good. Some are great. Some are over the top powerful. And of course you want as many great to over the top powerful cards in your deck as possible. So I assume that it's the same thing. You want that many. Yeah, basically. And it's, you're, you're building a football team. So it's the same thing where there's, not exactly 11 players per side, but because um, there's some depth to the position. But like, say, quarterback, for example. You only play one quarterback. So you technically have a backup quarterback, but you don't ever use your backup quarterback because in Madden Ultimate Team, players don't get injured in the game. So you don't have a oh, case where like a player gets injured and then is out and they, their backup has to play. But so like right now, I, it just came out a couple days ago. So I got it. I played it uh, like the early release. I picked it up at 9 p.m., and uh, played it some that night. And my first quarterback was, like, my whole team was garbage. You start out with a garbage team. Like, you know, players have ratings. And my team started as a 60. The best is a 99 for, for any position. So, like, in the past when I've played, by the end of the year, I'll have my team up very, very close to 99 overall. So that's a massive difference, right? So you, you start off essentially having a team full of the wrestlers that didn't have an awesome wrestling name and were just like... Bob Wyckoff or something like that <laughs> wrestling against Hulk Hogan. Yeah, exactly. In the, the the crappy match that no one cares about. Yeah, exactly. So um, okay. my first quarterback was awful, but then you play some challenges and playing challenges, you get, um, you get packs in different ways or you get player cards or different, you know, there's different ways that you earn the things to add to your team. And most of the time it's random. Like you, you don't play a challenge and then you get a quarterback. You don't know exactly what you're getting. Sometimes you get a, a pack where you actually get to choose one out of however many cards they're offering you, so you could choose what would suit your team better. Mm. So, like, to start with, like, I try to improve my quarterback. I try to impl- improve my running back, get at least one good wide receiver, stuff like that. And then you keep on playing, and you earn you earn points that level up your, like, your ranking. The higher the level you get, you unlock being able to get certain things. But then you get coins, so you can buy packs or, or things like that from the store. Plus, there's an online marketplace to where you can, like, go and try to purchase specific cards. So, like, these cards actually have, like, in-game value that's based on a market. So that's also an interesting factor. It's like uh, when a card first comes out, it can be in, in insanely expensive. 
but then you wait until there's something better out, then you can buy it for way cheaper. And it's all based around like the reason there's real driven value in this is most people that play it want to play it competitively. You know, they they like they're playing against other people and want to be the best. I don't want that. I hate playing against other people. They're all better than me. I don't want to play against them. I just want to play my by myself. So I just play the challenges. So I don't need to get caught up in the, you know, the value. And you can also spend real money in the game to get stuff. And I've never once done that. But yeah, so I just like, I, I love it. But I've never started it from the very beginning of a season like this. Because usually every year I'll be like, nah, I don't need it. And then it'll go on sale for like 20 or 30 bucks at some point, like midway through the football season. And I'll go ahead and get it. And then I miss out on all like the early stuff where you get rewards that are reasonable for where your team is at. So like when you start out with a team that's a 60 overall, getting a player that's in the 70s is an improvement. Usually by the time our, I start playing, those players in the 70s are garbage and not worth it, you know? So it's fun playing right from the beginning. I got it uh, day of launch is the first time, I think, since Halo 2, I got a game on the day it launched to play it on the day it launched. Ooh, okay. Now we're yeah. talking. I, I, there cool. may be one or two other games that I actually got the day they came out, but it was like without that kind of, you know, excited enthusiasm of like, oh, I got to play this right now. Just like it just so happened to be that way. Okay. So anyways, that's uh, that, that's been the big thing the last couple of days for me. And it timed out well because I had a health issue and was like barely functional for the last couple of days. So I was able to just like sit there grinding away at Madden for uh, for a bit. And now today I need to get caught up on schoolwork because my school just started back in. <laughs> awesome. So you're super busy, but you're taking some time. So I have, I have some questions. Okay. Are these cards you get, mm-hmm. are they all players or are some of them like awesome screenplay or screen pass or like sick tackle or, you know, stuff like that? They have some stuff that's um, that's a very, you know, like off, like you can get uniform stuff. So you can actually like, like change your uniform. Everyone's on steroids card. <laughs> not not quite like that. Like uh, they do have. Okay. So one of the things they added this year that I haven't quite figured out yet is they have. Um, I guess you like they're like game plan cards. And what I think is you you put them like in the game plan slot for your team. Like so you make it your active game plan card, and it gives you a minor stat boost in those specific areas. Um, so, and then that would apply across your team to any player that like those stats apply to. Um, so you get stuff like that, but then there's other dynamics like, uh, getting multiple players from the same team. Like once you cross certain thresholds, it gives a stat boost to those players. Uh, so like one of the, the stats that's, that's usually a big key for offense is speed. Like you want really fast wide receivers. You want really fast running backs. So getting the ones that are the fastest is usually kind of a key thing that you're focusing on. So there's different ways to boost those stats. One is by um, having the, all your players be from the same team. Like, or, you know, you cross th- certain thresholds. Like, the more you have, the more it boosts the stats. They also have, not for every player, but they have um, a power-up version of different players where you get it, it starts really low, but you spend training points, which is sort of basically just like an in-game currency. You spend those to upgrade the player, and then at certain thresholds, you to keep, continue to upgrade it, you have to get get that level of card from the player. So, like, if you start with a power-up player, you're going to spend points to upgrade it. But then at a certain point, you have to get their elite card and then add that to the power-up card to jump up to the next level. And you kind of keep going from there. 
and those cards um, will always be able to top out the best card for that player in the game, even if just slightly. Uh, okay. So there's stuff like that. Like there's different ways to improve the players, and then they have they always have a couple of like players that are given to you for free that you power up just through doing in-game stuff throughout the year. There's usually a couple couple different ways that those work too. Okay. Yeah, that so sounds cool. Yeah, it's kind right. of a mix between like getting the players that you just love that you want to. So it's cool because like I'm a 49ers fan. So I in the past have gotten um, like had Joe Montana as my quarterback, Steve Young as my quarterback, Jerry Rice is one of my wide receivers. But then even going deeper than that, getting like Ronnie Lott and Deion Sanders and any player like you can set the, them to like have the chemistry for any team they've played on. So. Just because you get Deion Sanders and it's like a card of him on the Cowboys, you can still like set him to his 49er chemistry because he played for the 49ers. So it's like you can put together kind of a dream team going a Mm. lot deeper than just like the, you know, the few offensive players that usually people know. So you can get the, the defensive players, the linemen, like all these different positions. There was one year I was really excited because Patrick Willis was available. He's a, a linebacker that played for the 49ers. He only played for like eight years, but he was one of, if not the best linebacker in the game when he played. And he retired pretty young. He was starting to have a, a nagging injury, and he just decided to retire, you know, before, you know, he's like still pretty young to, to retire and still one of the best when he retired. So I was like really excited to get him in the game. So anyways, yeah, so it adds those kind of dynamics. Like you can get some of the best current players, the best like legendary players, but then also, like, if, like, you can all build a team of players that you love with current and, like, legends from that team. So there's a lot of different ways to approach it just based on what you want to do. This sounds like it is right in the middle of that Venn diagram between I love sports and I'm a nerd. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. It's always my point. When I, when I first met my current boss and we just, like, had a meeting, we're just, like, getting to know each other some. I talked about comic books. I talked about sports. He's like... He was surprised by that. Like, oh, you know, I'm surprised that, like, you like sports so much, but you also like comic books so much. Sports fans are the biggest nerds. Like, they're as much nerds as anybody, you know, into comic books or anything. It's just sports are always, like, considered, like, you know, the manly thing to like. But, come on, if you're yeah. into stats, you're a freaking nerd. Like, it's, it's still, like, the math of the thing, you know? <laughs> so... Well, yeah, yeah, one thing I remember somebody pointing out is if you're going to football games and you're like dressing up and painting your face and stuff like that to support your team, you're doing cosplay. Yeah. (laughs) It's like you're just a cosplay nerd, but for sports instead of comics. It's no different than dressing up as Cyclops or something. Exactly. It's just, you know, it's what's socially acceptable. And that that's changed a lot over the last, you know, couple of decades probably. We're now all the stuff that you were looked down on for being a nerd. I mean, like nerd and geek used to be derogatory terms. And now they're just like, no, it just describes me, you know? Um, um, yeah. But like all the things that w- that you would be looked down on for liking now like anybody can like those things and now like really the people that are looked down on are the people that just have no social skills <laughs> yep <laughs> and there's a lot of people that are into as you know socially acceptable things in the past that have no social skills and cool well that sounds fun it is and it's a huge time suck so <laughs> i have to mediate right. it i haven't really been doing anything in particular i've well, I've kind of just been working lately yeah. is what it feels like again. I've had somehow like 
a couple months ago, I was insanely busy with work. I think you remember that time. We both were just insanely busy with work. Yeah. And things kind of mellowed out again. But now I'm insanely busy again. I feel like every day I get two things on my to-do list done, and I, but I have to put five things on it, and I'm just getting more and more buried underwater. But that's not a fun thing to talk about. That's, you know, who cares about that? Probably you right now, but. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But just you. Yeah, just me. I do have a couple questions. Yeah, okay. Yeah. This is things that I've been kind of thinking about. Like, and and this isn't questions that I necessarily expect to have answered today. This is like food for thought questions. Here's something I've been thinking about. What are some of the most unique albums that you've ever heard? What I mean by that is something that you hear it, and think, wow, there's nothing like this. I've never heard anything that is even kind of similar to this. And it is just really interesting and strange and unique. And I would be hard-pressed to even describe which genre it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like that sort of stuff. That's kind of what I'm interested in. If, 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 you, if you can think of any things like that. Yeah, actually, I have a few of those off the top of my head. All right, well, tell me. What are they? When So you, we've talked about this before, but when, when I got out of high school, like when I was in high school, I was uh, listening to punk, like I was starting to get into punk music, and then I kind of hit a wall where like I wasn't finding anything that I thought. It was like around the time when Blink-182 like really went pop punk, and so there was lots of punk around, but it was all pop music. And it was... It was all lousy. Yeah, I, I wasn't finding, like I lost interest because I wasn't finding any good stuff. But then I made, um, I started a job and somebody worked there that I had one class in high school with, but like we became friends based off of that. He was making music with a group of people. I had another friend that on his own was making music. So I introduced them. They became that, that whole group became good friends with my other friend. And so like I was friends with the whole group too. And uh, not only did they all make music, but they were all really into underground hip hop and hip hop in general, but uh, like that's when the underground hip hop scene was like was really booming, and so we'd go down to L.A. all the time and go to concerts, and so I got into a lot of different stuff. But a lot of the stuff that we were really into um, had a lot of people that were experimenting with different abstract stuff, or it, there were other artists that we you know may have been not directly associated, but like there was a lot of exposure to, to more abstract and experimental music. There's one, and there's some CDs that I used to own that, like, you can't find. They don't exist. Like, either they were, um, you know, tour-only CD type of deals, or, you know, they were, like, kind of, like, self-made bootlegs, um, or they're just out of print because there wasn't any kind of demand to keep them in print. And a lot of the stuff that I listened to, like, um, the the first label that I listened to as a small indie label is now, like, it's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. And plus, most stuff only exists digitally now. Um, but anyways, there was one of the producers for the one of the group, like collectives of artists I listened to. So he produced music for lots of different people, and he would make some really awesome mixtapes. So it would be um, some more hip hop sounding beats, but then some like really just weird drum and bass stuff. Interesting samples was always a big part of it. Like you know the the fish head song, you know fish heads, fish heads, roly poly fish heads. You know that. Uh, no, <laughs> no, I don't listen to that kind of thing, Paul. It's uh oh gosh, who? 
you'll have to look it up. Google fish heads, and I'm sure you'll figure it out. I've seen it used by different people. He had a sample of that, and it was the first time I ever heard it. It's a song by Barnes and Barnes. But, like, that's when I still vividly remember. It was just this, like, um, and it was either sped up or it was from, like, a kind of a kiddier recording or something like that. But it's this song with just, like, some real, like, uh, boom bap kind of uh, drums under it. And, like, that is just, like, that has always lived in my head. And anytime something even brushes up against it, it reminds me of that specifically. So, like, that's one, um, that mixtape that he made. I can't remember the name of the mixtape, but... <laughs> that doesn't help me then, Paul. <laughs> well, you're not going to be able to find it. You're never going to find it. Well, then, then I don't care. Yeah. I want stuff that I could find, Paul. Well, you didn't say that. You said, do you... Wait, wait. Okay, all right. Well, okay. Uh, so his name is mistake. Odd Nosdom. Uh, you could actually, if you have Spotify or whatever, I think you can find uh, some of his music on there. So that's one. There's another one that was really weird by a group called Music Tapes. Let me see if this is still... I actually... It wasn't on Spotify for a long time, and then it was. So yeah, this uh, this group called The Music Tapes, and the album is First Imaginary Symphony for Nomad. That was the, the one that I heard when I was quite a bit younger. It's a very, very strange, abstract album, unlike anything I've ever heard. That That's one you could check out. Uh, and then if you want something that's more attainable... Tom Waits has some really interesting different stuff. And he has, like, if you've listened to Tom, everybody's heard at least some Tom Waits, even if they don't know that they have, because a lot of his songs have been used different places or, cut. you know, he wrote them and they were performed by other people. Yeah, sure. But there's a, a compilation album called Beautiful Maladies, and it's uh, from his albums when he was on Island Records. And there's some really interesting stuff in there. It's it's uh, it's the CD that got me into Tom Waits. And I still remember when I was in high school, my cousin was um, like, just, he's only a few years older than me, so he's barely out of high school. But he was putting on, he was an actor, and he was putting on his own one-act plays. So he wrote three one-act plays, got his friends involved in, in, you know, performing them and setting up the, you know, the doing everything. Like, so it was just like his own production. One of the guys that was helping out with it um, one day brings the CD, Tom Waits. And that's the first time I ever heard of Tom Waits. And he's telling us about how crazy it is. And when you look in the, like, under the songs of the instruments played and stuff like that, like, there are, there are songs where they play a chair and different stuff like that. So like Tom Waits has always been very, very creative um, musically and he'll use, you know, random things to create the sounds that he wants in his songs. Hmm. This reminds me of the time I went to an ex quote unquote experimental jazz performance Mm -hmm. with a friend of mine and the guy there played a toaster and it was kind of terrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's i i think uh, it's i always use now experimental jazz as uh, an analogy for something that is much more fun for the person doing it than it is for the people watching it <laughs> yeah <laughs> because of that i'd imagine yeah i think with creativity like you can you can call anything art and it be bad and like if if you're trying to be creative like it's art it doesn't matter if it's good or bad and but, it, like, if you 
decide that there's validity to your art just because it's art. I think that's where people get misguided. It's like if nobody wants to consume your art, like, okay, it's a release for you, but that doesn't make it good or meaningful, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Tom Waits, on the other hand, like, he's uh, he's been a musician for a very, very, very long time, and he knows how to use whatever it is that he uses. But I've always enjoyed his music because he'll use stuff you don't expect. There was uh, one of his albums that he actually had his son scratching on the album. So, like, he brought in this, like, hip-hop element that, like, you wouldn't have expected at all. But it also, like, it meshed in. It wasn't like, you know, usually if you hear, like, of something that's not hip-hop and then it's using a hip-hop element, it's like they're they're trying to, you know, take advantage of the popularity. It's not, like, it's nothing like that. It's taking this piece and mixing it into something else. But that doesn't make the song or the you know that album or anything like even it's not hip hop at all. It's just using something that is typically only used in hip hop. You know, it's just like playing a chair. You're you're playing a percussion thing. You know, it's not really an instrument, but you're using it to make certain sounds. But you're using those sounds purposefully and specifically. You know, it's not just random. It's not like you know what you just said. Some guy taking a toaster and making it make noise and calling it music. Yeah. Okay. So here's what made me think about this is I recently went and re-listened to this CD that I just somehow randomly got years and years ago. It's Philip Glass and Allen Ginsberg. Hmm. And you know Philip Glass, the composer? Yeah. He's like a minimalist composer. He took a bunch of poems by Allen Ginsberg and set them to music with an orchestra. Except the orchestra isn't just a, a standard orchestra it's there's all sorts of stuff synth synthesizers a, a huge various drum sections very odd like it doesn't sound like orchestral music it just is a number of very odd instruments all used in in weird ways but to set allen ginsberg's poetry to music and each song is just drastically different and it's really neat because Allen Ginsberg actually performs on it as well and reads some of his poetry along with the music. And it is, I've never heard anything like it. And that's what made me think about this is it's, I don't even, it's not classical music. It's not, what, it's not like a spoken word thing or anything. It's just, it's this own weird, unique thing that I've never heard anything like it. And it just kind of takes all these pieces from different types of music and makes something strange that I've never heard of fr- out of it. And it's really, really cool. It's called Hydrogen Jukebox is the name of the album. So if you search for Philip Glass Hydrogen Jukebox, it's that's how anyone would find it. And it is just bizarre, super bizarre. But also in like the coolest of ways. It's like you said, it's using all these strange things to actually make music out of them and actually combine things in weird ways that you wouldn't expect to make music out of them. And it ends up being just really, really cool. I looked that up on Spotify so I could check it out later. Yeah, like to me, that's the the big difference between, you know, if you're experimenting around with stuff, you know, yeah, anything can be art if you're, you know, trying to be creative or whatever, but 
like when you you take stuff and you you figure out how to utilize it and you actually make something that people would want to consume you can make really interesting stuff and i like i've said this before with comic art like you get to the the point where technology gets involved and for a while it got way too easy to do certain things and comic artists didn't know how to push the tools to their boundaries yet so you get to that like I don't know, late 90s, early 2000s comic art, and everything just looks boring as hell because they don't have to try as much to do a lot of things, you know? It's it's when digital coloring mm-hmm. had started to take hold, but it wasn't as sophisticated as it is now. I think people now use do digital coloring in really great, really creative ways. Yeah, absolutely. And really think through it's it's more like how can we use the tools to now do what we what we want. And in the early nineties it was kind of like, we have these tools, let's just use them. And so everything had the same kind of gradient. Yeah, I would that's exactly what I was saying. Gradient. <laughs> yeah, it's just all gradients everywhere. Just gradient, gradient, gradient. Yeah. To make it look what rounded or something like that to give it the illusion of depth or something. But because of how the gradient was applied, it just, it didn't, it looked like it was computer generated lazy <laughs> and homogenous. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it gave uh, people without as much talent, the ability to produce stuff similar to people with more talent. And I, it, a lot of people that had the talent, I think got lazier because that was easy and you know, it's like stuff had to adapt and change after that. But I mean, it's the same thing with any kind of art. So I think that that's kind of a a cynical take on it. I think also though, you could just say it just wasn't very well developed. There was new technology that people hadn't, didn't really know how best to use these tools yet. So they knew they were kind of like using the 10% most obvious tools because they hadn't yet, learned and had the experience to know that there's these other tools that can do something much much better yeah but it closed the gap between the skill levels so like you know if you have a lot of skill with something that that you can use because you've developed the skill and suddenly you have these new tools that make it easier like your high skill until you figure out how to push those boundaries just gets met in the middle with anybody else's too you know, suddenly anybody can make uh, things that look the same. That, that's kind of how it... I'm only going off the stuff that I saw published. So you could also blame publishers for not giving a crap about, you know, how stuff looked that they published. You know, off air, we talked about Marvel and DC and about how, like, they approach stuff. And they, they just care about what they make money on, not the quality of it. And I think that's why you see a lot of stuff that just looks like this... Because it was new to people. So, you know, it was easy to sell the same homogenous stuff. But... Um, but that applies to music too, where like you can have tools and if you're not using them in a purposeful way, it's not going to be good, but you can take these different tools and if you figure out a way to actually like use them to make them work with what you're doing, it can make amazing things. Um, you know, back to, to Tom Waits. Uh, so he, he was really influential on a lot of people, but one artist I listened to buck 65, I've talked about him before. I think Buck 65 learned a lot from Tom Waits about uh, incorporating different elements into performance. And one thing that um, that really stood out to me with Tom Waits that uh, a friend of mine saw him do this live on Letterman, told me about it. And like years later, I was able to find it on YouTube because now you can find like everything on YouTube. But he did a song of his called Chocolate Jesus on Letterman. 
and he comes out and he throws sand down on the stage because a part of it he's doing like, you know, soft shoe in the sand. But the sound of that is part of the song. He performs a song and he um, he gets to the end. He wears a like a fedora and he takes his fedora off to like, you know, to bow and he had glitter in there. So when he pulls his hat off, this glitter just scatters all over. So he's using all these different elements, you know, visual movement, um, like all these different things that make what he's doing so much more artistic than it would have been just going out and performing a song. So, yeah, I think that, you know, the when there's a lot of skill involved, like it's amazing the things that you can put together and make something even more amazing. And then you have, you know, toaster dude that just gets up there and does something weird. (laughs) It kind of reminds me of something i remember seeing in uh this is going to be at random but buffy the vampire slayer have you ever seen the musical episode of buffy no okay do you do you even know anything about it i know very little about buffy my sister was obsessed with it and i did not care for it okay i know enough it's, to be able to talk about buffy slightly though it's it's better than you think i guess is is one thing i would say it's one of those shows where i always thought this is stupid. There's no way I ever want to watch this. But I kept hearing enough people say that it was good who whose opinions that I respected enough to to actually consider that. And it was really, really good. Anyway, they did a, a musical episode. And it was just a random episode in the middle of uh, what of, of the season that was just a musical. And it, they had to write and record all the music for this and also create the episode, but in the same amount of time of a usual episode. And I remember uh, the creators, like there was an interview and they said, well, yeah, it was a lot of work, but I partly I just wanted to show that you can do this if you just do the work. Like this is possible. It's possible to just decide to do something unique and different is part of a TV show if you just do the work and put in the effort to to do it. And and that was always kind of stuck with me, this idea of, you know, just deciding, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do more work to do something that is bigger and better than just the average thing. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that could apply to, to anything. You know, like in back to comics, like Matt Kent, I think, is an example of that where he puts – so much detail into what he does and it's not just like oh i want to add details to be clever because those details don't really have depth to them but like you look at what he does and there's so much depth to the way everything he does weaves together and it has like way you know way more sight to it than just i want to put hidden stuff in the pages or something like that and god that's gotta be a hell of a lot of work you know to to figure all that stuff out and it all comes from the passion of wanting to do it you know, like whenever you see him do something like you, you can tell how passionate he is and you can see the times that um, he hasn't had passion, cough, cough, the end of his run at Valiant. Um, mm. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, like the you you have the the um, the map of Japan that he made for Rai. I sure do. That's that's amazing. You know, like some it of the stuff he's awesome. done has just been absolutely amazing and breathtaking. And you don't even have to know what the hell is going on to know how you know, how much genius you're seeing looking at something like that 
or looking at mind management or you know some of the different things that he's done. Um, he's somebody who just likes to to think and come up with ideas. Yeah, and just think about different things and come up with as much crazy ideas as is possible. And that's really cool. Yeah, it is. He's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, see, that's all the weird music I can think of, at least, off the top okay. of my head. But I'll, I'll keep that in mind and see if I could pop up with anything else later. Usually with me, like, I don't have... You know how some people, like, everybody has those friends that there's a movie that's funny. And they can spit out any quote from the movie at any time, like, in the appropriate... like. They, that's their like their wit, right? Like they have all like these Star Wars, right? Yeah, exactly. Great <laughs> like comedy. How I drive my 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 wife nuts by always just quoting things from Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> at strange times. So like I am awful with quoting things. Like I can't remember things. Like my brain just doesn't work that way. I don't have all these like surface level random access memory pieces saved up and put together to where I can you know, like. Um, I've, I've been noticing lately for some reason, I think somebody uh, that I follow on Twitter is doing a Simpsons rewatch. They're posting a lot of Simpsons stuff. I can never make myself think of Simpsons things, but there are constantly things that remind me of specific things in the Simpsons. And then I could like recall them perfectly. But like I have to have something trigger the memory. I can't just off the top of my head come up with a bunch of stuff. There's a few things from the Simpsons that have stuck with me forever mm -hmm. that are just ingrained in my mind. Like, the goggles, they do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> or, or no, my son is also named Bort. <laughs> you know, like those things, I'm just, I'm going to remember those moments for the rest of my life. Yeah. I think they're just like m moments of humor that have stuck with me that I'm always going to remember. Yeah. And see, like, I'll, like I, I had once pop into my head just from what you said on top of like actually remembering the ones that you said. But, like, I couldn't sit here and just rattle off a whole bunch of Simpsons memories. But yeah. if I watch an episode, I probably know pretty much every damn thing that happens in the episode between maybe season, like, 2 and 12. Hmm. Uh, season 1, too, but season one's just boring. Who wants to watch that? But, it, like, pretty much, like, the first 12 seasons. I stopped watching after season 12, and I've probably seen random stuff since then. But it's really funny to me that as much as I loved The Simpsons... I haven't watched it for like two thirds of its run, and that's insane. Just like yeah. don't even care. But yeah, it goes that way with me with anything. Like I'll I'll remember stuff when something triggers the memory, and then I can remember a ton of details about it. But like I don't, I've never been so focused on one thing that I can like pull up my like all my built up trivia or whatever. You know, it's like you you can quote Star Wars a ton because you've watched it so much. Most things, no matter how much I love it, I watch it once. Maybe 10 years later, I watch it again. You know, like I don't re read books very often. Like my brain just doesn't want to do that. Uh, so like I can never do that. I've always been kind of jealous of people that can, you know, pop up with the funny quotes and stuff like that. And I just, I have never been able to. It's honestly, it's, it's not like the highest achievement in life. So <laughs> I don't think you need to be worried. Like I don't really, I'm not exactly putting it on my resume that I can quote star Wars <laughs> verbatim with <laughs> a high degree of accuracy. It's not something if I had to list on my like proud accomplishments, it's more of a, uh, a weird default <laughs> a result of 
odd decisions I've made in life, which is to spend a lot of my time watching Star Wars. Yeah. So, so someday you'll have a next generation of uh, of people to pass that knowledge on to, and you're going to feel very differently then, though. <laughs> someday, yes, yes, we'll see, we'll see. I have a feeling that um, any offspring I may have will not like star wars at all <laughs> it's yeah. just my luck it's yeah. funny like you know i Dad, that's lame <laughs> i love ninja turtles my son's fine with ninja turtles but like he's never been as enthusiastic about ninja turtles but uh you know it's like a- you know this is something i wonder about kids these days like are there properties that they get attached to like we had like are there things like ninja turtles happening right now absolutely yeah, they, that's the thing is is um, you go back before our generation, there were just less options of things. And then you go from our generation to this generation, there's way more options of things. Well, that's that's what it seems like. But I, I guess I've never really seen anything where it's like, this is the hot thing with kids. Like yeah. G.I. Joe or He-Man or Ninja Turtles was in the 80s. Yeah, I, I'm re- so I'm, I'm recording this in my son's room and staring at his Minecraft poster. Like for him, it's Minecraft. He is obsessed uh, okay, with Minecraft. Yeah. Yeah, Minecraft is one. Yeah, I mean, like, go go to Target and look around. You'll see a bunch of stuff that's, like, from properties that we know that they're selling to us because we're stupid. Um, and then there's, like, everything else. like <laughs> No comment. Minecraft, <laughs> Roblox, Fortnite. Like, those are in the action figure aisle. Those are the three things that resonate more with my son's generation. And then they do have other things from older generations. And those things resonate, too, but... I think that, you know, it's easy for us with the, the, when we grew up to be like, well, this thing is just objectively good. So it's going to hit the same way with, um, you know, with the people that matter to me. Oh no, it, it was subject, it was subjectively good. <laughs> yeah. Cause I remember going back and watching He-Man cartoon and was like, this is nothing like I remember. This is terrible. Exactly, yeah. I mean, like the old Ninja Turtle cartoon, like it had its moments, but I remember one time years ago I was buying, so they had the the 2012 Ninja Turtle cartoon that's not the newest one anymore. They've had one other run since then, and it was really good. And when they would release on DVD, I'd pick up the DVDs because it's not like it was super expensive or anything, and like I, I enjoyed watching it. My son was pretty little then, but like he wasn't really watching it. And I'm buying one of them, and this the kid ringing me up at Target, which, first of all, he was too young to have watched the original cartoon when it was coming out anyways. But he's just like, uh, the, the original one's better, or was something like that. I'm like, first of all, like I'm buying this. Why are you insulting what I'm buying, you little shit? It's like, fine, then sell me the original toys. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I didn't say anything, because it's, like, it's not worth it. But it's like, you, you don't know. Like, you're saying that because there's a, a coolness to the original stuff that even if you didn't grow up watching it, you can get that. You know, like, everybody gets that kind of retro vibe from stuff. But this cartoon, like, is objectively better. Like, it's it's better stories. It's better made. I watched the old cartoon. It's rough, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Well, it was made for only kids. Yeah. You know, back back then... All this stuff, like G.I. Joe and Ninja Turtles and He-Man, that was made for boys aged 4 to 10, essentially, right? It, that was the target. They they were not trying to appeal to anybody past that age, and purposely so. And 
it shows in the product very, very much. But I think now they're trying to make stuff that will at least have some appeal to older people because they expect people like us to <laughs> go back and be like, oh, I want to watch the new Ninja Turtles because, of course I do, because grown-up life sucks. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, relating that to books, so, like, this is one thing I've, I've come across before. Uh, you know, so my son's a, of the age where he's starting to get into a lot of the kind of popular books for kids now. One, he's read it a little bit. Uh, his grandma got him the whole box set of them, but there's the Diary of Olympic Kid books, right? Yeah. So it's a good example where, like, we need to remember that, like, anything that exposes kids to good things is good. And, like, I'll, I'll come across stuff on social media of, uh, you know, like, librarians who get irritated because kids always want those books. So they'll, like, they'll hide them or they'll check them out themselves so kids can't get them and stuff like that. And, like, just the, like, the stupidity of that. Like, you're you're a librarian. You're supposed to be there to encourage people to read. And, like, who cares if kids want to read Diary of a Wimpy Kid for the 20th time? They're reading, you know? My son got reading and developed his skill with reading a lot because he wanted to read the Mario Encyclopedia. Because I got him that because he really loved characters and, like, he had a lot of language delays. Like, him learning how to speak, like, characters was really helpful because he wanted to be able to say the character names. And so he learned how to use different sounds that he didn't know how to use. So that grew into then he would always ask us to read stuff. And after a while, we're like, no, read it yourself. And he figured out how to read stuff. And so, like, he's, like, just gone crazy with his ability to read. But it's like whatever whatever's going to interest him is is awesome and worth it you know mm-hmm. it, it, it you know it relates to to reading you know like getting irritated because kids want to read diary of a wimpy kid is stupid just like you know twilight was super popular i never read that but i had um a roommate that my, my wife and i had at the time was really into it like i actually went and bought her one of the books because she didn't have the money for it the day it came out because i was just like hey you're reading and reading is a good thing and you're super excited about this like i'll spend the money for you to get the book it's, and it's the same thing, like, when we're talking about different properties and stuff like that. Like, kids are going to, different things are going to resonate with kids now. And, like, there are kids that love Ninja Turtles. My kid doesn't love them, but doesn't dislike them. But, you know, it's like he also, like, sees how I appreciate things and then can apply that knowledge to what he does like, too. You know, so that he, like, I can see that he understands, like, why I like stuff and how I like stuff and why... You know, all the crap that I own matters to me. And, like, I see him, like, figuring out how to apply that with with his own interaction with things. And it's kind of cool to see that. Cool. I was going to ramble more, so I decided to just stop. Okay, good. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right. Do you have any questions? Uh, <laughs> I wasn't prepared. Uh, okay. I do have one other. Okay. This is like a brainstorming question. Okay. What are topics you want us to discuss? in future episodes. Like I know uh, we've gotten on this list thing quite a bit with video games. We did the vertigo books. I think it'd be interesting to do a list of like the best Marvel runs of all time, maybe the best DC runs of all time just to see what's on there. I think it'd be in some in, in interesting talking points. And uh, I know we want to keep reading Sandman yeah and talking about sandman that's uh, a big ongoing thread in these episodes but what else 
Yeah, that's, that's that's a good question, and I guess our listeners can chime in. It's always it's kind of nice to have other people say like, "Hey, check this thing out." Give us something different to talk about because you know it's like you you tend to be drawn to the same thing. And I think part of the problem that we've had lately is we've both been so busy that we're not you know for a while it was like we were both reading so much and playing games and whatever that there was just always something fresh to talk about. And that hasn't really yeah. been the case as much for quite a while now, just because life. Um, I love yeah. I love the list thing because we can dive into any kind of list and have something to talk about. And I, I think we found that with the video game list, even though there was a chunk of stuff that one or the other of us hadn't played, there were very few things that neither of us had anything to say something about. Yeah, and I think as we look through it, we had played at least half of them and were aware of and knew a lot about like 80 to 90 percent of them. Yeah, I think there were only a couple yeah. that neither of us had a thing to say about, like out of a list yeah. of 50 mm-hmm two things you know so that was pretty good uh aside from that all right so you're lost yeah (laughs) like do you want to do reading clubs where we both pick a book and read it yeah something like i think something like that's a good idea and making it you know attainably sized because we we know that life is crazy for both of us like work has still been crazy for me and i just started back to school so time is very much of the essence yeah i'm not thinking like let's pick Let's not pick Amazing Spider-Man <laughs> and read that <laughs> and talk about it. I'd not, yeah. You know, one thing, uh, I, I won't get it for a little bit, but one thing that I that we could do like piece by piece, kind of like we've been doing with Sandman, is Starman. I ordered the first Starman compendium, and I should get that in my next shipment from Things from Another World, which means in like a month. Yeah, I'm about halfway through Starman. Yeah, and I've, I've read the first couple of trades of Starman. I got them like uh, some crappy beat up old trades on ebay it was like perfect for rolling up and taking to the beach uh reading while my family went looking for shells and stuff like that but yeah it's so like starman would be a cool thing because i i would like to read through that but yeah I, like i like there's a lot of stuff that i would like to read and i think having you know okay let's let's pick these issues or this trade or stuff like that as long as it's something that's accessible is a a good way to go about it all right, well, be on the lookout for stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Stuff that's like in the 5 to 10 issue range would be probably perfect for that sort of thing. Or stuff that's a self-contained story in some way. Definitely. Like God Loves Man Kills. That was a good one. Oh, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. yeah. That was that was a really good one because things got dangerously close to reality yeah. in our discussion of that one. <laughs> that was a really good one. Yeah, and our, our three fans can you know give us suggestions. That'd be good. Have you read the IDW GI Joe? Do you read that? I have read everything up through Cobra Civil War. I haven't read uh, much past that. I started reading the the Cobra Command stories, which it's it's not really so much a story as it is like a banner story. You, you know where it's it's more of like a, a banner event than a real event, where it's more like all the stories are branded as part of this general. Thing, yeah, which was Cobra Command. Even though it's not one big story being told, it's just kind of like a banner to encapsulate that era of storytelling. That's kind of what the Cobra Command stuff is. And I just never really got uh, past that. I think part of it is that my actual physical collection gets a little spotty after that, and and also I feel like the I started to lose interest a little bit in the stories after the uh after cobra civil war Mm -hmm. it seemed like i really liked the first volume and the second volume didn't keep me as engaged 
with all that stuff. Okay. I'll tell you that that those first two volumes of Cobra, which is the initial mini series, and then the ongoing series, is some of my favorite GI Joe ever. Though, those essentially the the Chuckles yeah. saga, so to speak. That is that's actually what got so me so freaking good. Uh, a friend that I uh, I guess I'm no longer friends with suggested that. Uh, he got recommended it out of the blue, gave it a shot, like was not a fan beforehand of that stuff, loved it, recommended it to others. And then I came across, uh, I think, a used copy of, of one of the trades and read it. I was like, okay, yeah, that's good. But I got the uh, the Humble Bundle for G.I. Joe and Transformers that has like a ton of that stuff. So that's something, too. I, I know you're a, a G.I. Joe guy, so um, that's something that we could explore, you know, a uh, read-through of and discuss and yeah. we might have some other humble bundles that uh match up for both of us that would give us some good bodies of work to talk about yeah we probably would yeah Yeah. so yeah some different ideas i think that that's kind of what we need to do though is like even if it's a you know low grade volume wise having something that we're just kind of ongoing as part of our conversation at least even if it's not a whole episode every time yeah would be a good idea because otherwise, right now, we're just like, yeah, I bought this. It's on my shelf for when I have time to read it in six months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One thing I do want to do, I would like to get back to Sandman. Yeah, I can start reading on uh, the next section of that. And the next, um, I believe I get the next volume in my next order. So I think in a oh, month, cool. I'll get the next so volume we, of that. Yeah, We'll be ready to really take off then. Yeah. So the next bits are the distant mirrors stories which is like it's another set of three short stories i think and also do you have the sandman special which is the song of orpheus in your current book because sometimes it's printed it was a standalone issue it's not a numbered issue so it's sometimes collected in different places i think it's in there I think I actually already read it in there, but I need to double check because it's been a while since I've read that now. Okay. Yeah, I guess the big question is if A Game of You is in your current hardcover or not. I don't think it is because I think the remaining stuff is all kind of like side story stuff, not main story stuff. Okay, yeah, that'd be perfect then. Let's let's wrap that stuff up and then we'll be prepped for when you get your next volume. That sounds good. All right. Cool. All right, well, let's wrap up this episode right here. It's done. Stop listening. Go home. Yeah, there's nothing else worth saying. We're just going to tell you that we're on Twitter. I'm a bad deacon and Paul's at who's Paul? Who is Paul anyway? That's what I always ask. I, I loved your tweet the other day. When, oh, yes. But Dinesh is like, who's Sean? I was like, that's why my Twitter. Yeah. If he says who's Paul, you know, he's like, yep, that's me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Find more episodes wherever you found this one. And enjoy life and be happy.